Good evening, everybody. So yet another day that the Lord has made for us to rejoice, to be glad, to worship, to praise Him, to thank Him. In spite of the pandemic, uh, the Lord has been good to us. Uh, many of us have been protected. And many who have uh, contracted the coronavirus, we are praying for and we're asking God to heal them. And as we pray today before we start our session, we will uh, remember them so that uh, the Lord may have mercy on them, that the Lord may remember them and the Lord may heal them. Uh, I encourage you to share uh, the feed of this video. Uh, send the link to people so that they can tune in. Like I said uh, some time back is that we are all learning, including myself. I'm not better than anybody. Uh, and the fact that uh, I sit on this end to teach, it is because of the grace of God and the Lord has been good to us. Uh, so as we listen to this song a little bit and as we uh, look at, uh, uh, we shall be opening our Bibles to uh, Ephesians. opening the book to Ephesians and we shall go to chapter 2 I will look at verse 8 and 9 uh, because today we want to talk about grace a little bit all right let us say a prayer and then we go into the lesson for today Heavenly Father, King of glory, Lord of wonder, Lord of signs, miracles, you who created the heavens and the earth, you who made us, we declare as your word says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and everything in it and all those who dwell upon it. We all belong to you. We are your people and the sheep of your pastures. And we submit ourselves to you. We surrender to you, Lord. We come before you in humility. Uh, we humble ourselves, mighty God, our Father. We declare you king of our lives. We are your subjects. You reign and rule because your kingdom is in us. Because that's what you said in your word, that your kingdom has come and it is in us. Uh, we are the ambassadors of your kingdom here on earth. Uh, you saved us that we may serve you and work for you and uh, have dominion on your behalf. You gave us uh, authority uh, that is in heaven and on earth when you are commissioning us, Jesus Christ, that we should go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you promised to be with us till the end of age and therefore Lord we ask that uh, we may walk faithfully under the authority under the dominion under the power uh, and we may uh, bring your kingdom into every place on earth for the glory and honor of your name almighty God father I thank you 
because you love us, Almighty God. Today we are coming to study again something concerning salvation. Last uh, Monday we were talking about uh, uh, the fact that we have eternal security of our salvation. Uh, it is secured, it cannot be lost. And today we are looking at uh, uh, whether that is a license for us to sin. Is grace a license to sin? That is what we are going to look at. And we pray that, Lord, you will teach us. And not just only the notes that I have written, but the Holy Spirit will also illuminate and shine his light on the word uh, 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 upon me and anoint me and fill me and use me as a vessel. Let me open my mouth and let the Holy Spirit fill it with his word, with the knowledge, with the wisdom that comes from him, so that we can uh, learn something that will be valuable to us. We have, uh, mighty God, our Father, uh, a lot to thank you for, especially for us who are still well and healthy in spite of the pandemic. Lord, you've protected us, you've covered us, mighty God, our Father. Your wings are over us, mighty God, our Father. But we want to remember our brothers who, uh, Lord, have been uh, infected and affected by the uh, coronavirus. And we want to pray that, mighty God, our Father, your healing virtue, your healing hand, will descend from heaven, mighty God our Father, will enter every place, be it hospital, ICU, general ward, high dependency ward, uh, or homes, mighty God our Father, where these people are isolated and are receiving their treatment, uh, mighty God our Father, and they are going through the motions of uh, combating this uh, disease, Lord, I pray that you energize their bodies to fight, to resist, to destroy the virus in their systems. Mighty God, our Father and Mighty God, may you raise them from their sick beds and may you clear them of all the infection in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Uh, we shall give you glory and honor when we hear of good reports of how many have been healed, gone back home, or those who are home and who are now out of quarantine and are able to go about their businesses, mighty God, our Father, so that they may fend and they may take care of their families, almighty God, our Father, in terms of feeding, in terms of uh, 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 security of their families, in terms of uh, 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 fellowship and communion together, mighty God, our Father. We ask that your angels are dispatched this very hour to every place that requires your healing. And those of us who have not contracted this disease, Lord, even as we continue to observe all the guidelines of the Ministry of Health, Lord, I pray that you dispatch your angels to protect and cover us, mighty God our Father, and that the, the, the price that Christ paid for our healing will be uh, before your face, that it will remind you, Lord, that uh, uh, our, our, our healing was paid for, so that you can fight for us and you can heal us, mighty God our Father. Now, uh, even as we uh, start this, lesson we ask that mighty God our Father you may join us with very many others Lord may you cause many to come to uh, uh, this video and to learn what they need to learn for the glory and honor of your name almighty God our Father for it is in the mighty name of Jesus the Christ we pray and believe Amen Ephesians 2 verse 8 and verse 9 and I'm going to read it and it says for by grace are you saved through faith? And that uh, is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm reading from uh, King James Version. 
but whatever version you read, as long as you get the right translation, uh, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it's able to do a lot of things in your life to judge anything that you are doing so that you can know whether it is sin or not sin. It judges your intentions of doing things, praying, uh, helping people, and it helps you to know so that you can correct yourself and you're able to meet people's needs uh, uh, for the right reasons. I want to uh, delve in into our lesson this evening. Is eternal security a license to sin? The most frequent objection to the doctrine of uh, uh, eternal security is that it is supposedly allows people to live any way that they want and still be saved. Uh, and, I, and I know you have thought about it. And many people who preach about uh, uh, security of salvation uh, or uh, assurance of salvation uh, always think of it as uh, if I'm once saved, always saved, then it means I can live the way I want. And because I'm saved, no matter what, then I will go to heaven. I don't have to do anything extra. I don't have to do anything good. I don't have to change my lifestyle. I can continue living the way I was living before after I say the prayer because now I have a security of salvation. While this may be technically true, it is not true in reality. A person who has truly been redeemed by Jesus Christ will not live a life characterized by continuous willful sin. We must draw a distinction between how a Christian should live and what a person must do in order to receive salvation. Uh, when we talk about what a person must do in order to receive salvation is uh, what we have just read right now, that it is a gift of God. It is not our own doing. All we do is receive it. It has been paid for, not by us, but by Christ Jesus. God has extended eternal life to us by uh, what Christ did. And there is nothing we can add to it. There is nothing we can subtract from it. There is nothing we can add to make it better or beautify it. There is uh, nothing uh, 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 we can purport to do to help God. But we should look at how a Christian should live. Remember when we started the doctrine of salvation, I said we are not saved just to go to heaven. Uh, and Colossians chapter 2 talks about uh, that it is God who does both to will and to do his good pleasure. So it is God who helps us to live a life worth of our repentance. Uh, John the Baptist, when he was baptizing people uh, at River Jordan, told people to come and show fruit worth of repentance. All right. Uh, uh, and let me say here, repentance is not uh, saying I'm sorry. Uh, 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 and I know the Bible has defined it as many things. You know, like I've always considered the word sorry does not correct what has happened. If you hit somebody and injure them and you say sorry, it doesn't mean you have erased what you did. It doesn't mean the person is feeling much better now. It is only a courteous thing to do. But repentance means you change your ways. What you did, you will never do again. 
Okay, now the word repentance means many things, and I want to concentrate on one, but I'll mention the others. Repentance first means change your mind. All right? Change your mind concerning a sin, concerning sin, concerning judgment, concerning uh, your behavior, concerning the path you have been walking. You change your mind. And then it also means in the second facet that then you turn 180 degrees away from the path you are walking. If you are heading north, you turn and now start heading south. Uh, if you are doing the wrong thing, you turn and start doing the right thing because the conviction of the Holy Spirit has come to you. You cannot say, I have repented and continue to do the same things you have been doing. That is not true repentance. The Bible is clear that salvation is by grace alone, through faith. And that is faith alone, nothing else. It's just faith, nothing else. It's not what you think. It is not what you want. It is not what makes you happy. It is faith alone. You just believe what Christ has done. And... That faith alone is in Jesus Christ alone, not Jesus Christ plus. Your religion, Jesus Christ plus rituals, Jesus Christ plus law, Jesus Christ plus your church, Jesus Christ plus your pastor, Jesus Christ plus your, 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 your prophet. All these people are important, but they don't guarantee you salvation. There is no pastor who can uh, save you. There is no pastor who can forgive you sins, and because they have forgiven you sins, then God has forgiven you sins. You must be sorry first to God, and then you must be sorry to people that you have wronged. That is how it goes. There is no other way. Let us look at uh, John 3.16, and it says, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever uh, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and then Ephesians 2 8 and 9 is what we have just read for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith that's not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man can boast why salvation has to be uh, uh, by, by, by grace or free to us that we are not required to pay anything uh, it's because God wants to standardize salvation for everybody. If God were to charge something, it means that uh, uh, poor people would not be able to afford. Salvation then would be for people who can afford. And that's why even in the law, we still see grace in the law that God required sheep for people to repent their sins when it was time of the law or, or uh, goat. But then we also see that he went down, breaking it down, that uh, people could share a ship or some could bring even a pigeon according to what they could afford so that their salvation can be for everybody. And then there is John 14 verse 6 that says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to my father except through me. So it is only through Jesus Christ. The moment a person truly believes in Jesus Christ, he or she is saved and secure in that salvation. It is unbiblical to say that salvation is received by faith, but then 
has to be maintained by works. If God does not require you to pay anything, there is nothing you can pay to secure salvation or to keep salvation. That, that, that's, that's what it means. And uh, if you go to uh, uh, the book of Judah, the book of Jude, the brother of Jesus, just before Revelation, there is a verse that is very important. Very, very important. And I would like us to look at it because it, it has a lot of meaning for us. Uh, let me look at the book of Jude. Jude has only one uh, chapter. So we say Jude, verse 24, says, and I'll read 24 and 25, but verse 24 is what I want us to uh, concentrate on and to think about. Verse 24 says, Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his holy glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and evermore. Amen. What we're saying is this. Why we say salvation is uh, secure and cannot be lost, it is because it is not us who keep ourselves. It is God who keeps us. That's why the Bible is saying, now to him who, that is able... To keep, uh, to keep you from falling. So it is God who sustains you. And if then you can lose salvation, it means then God fails in keeping you. And God does not fail. God can do anything except sin. God can do anything except fail. God can do anything except be surprised by anything. Anything that happens to you, he already knew before the foundations of the earth were set in place. And that means... He knew all that would accept him. So God knows how many people will enter heaven. But you see, he doesn't determine that because it is your choice. But he knows who will choose him. Because God is in the beginning, he's in the middle, he's in the end. God is already at the judgment. Even as he, he is right now at the creation. God knows everything that will happen in between. God knows what happens after judgment. God knows what happens forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. If God does not know, then God is not omniscient. God does not know all things. You see, the Bible says uh, God is omniscient. He knows everything. There is nothing God does not know. He knows how many children you have, how many uh, miscarriages will be there. He knows how many people will be in the world, even by the time Jesus Christ returns. He, will, he knows every person by their name. Those who are dead and those who are living and those who will be born. He knows the hairs on each person's head. Then he knows everything else. But it is still our choice to believe. It is still our choice. That's why the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. When you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. It means it is you who chooses. God does not force you. God could have forced people to be saved. All right. The Apostle Paul addresses this issue in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3 when he says, Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit are now trying to attain your goal by human effort? If we are saved by faith, our salvation also is maintained and secured by faith. 
We cannot earn our own salvation. Therefore, neither can we earn the maintenance of our salvation. It is God who maintains our salvation. And I've given you a scripture that has told us that, Jude 24. It is God's hand that holds us firmly in his grasp. Uh, you can read John 10. Uh, maybe we should look at that one. John 10 verse 28. Verse 28. And 29. Uh, let me see. 28 and 29. And I give to them eternal life. And they shall never perish, never perish, not they, may, they might perish. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So there is no man, there is no angel, there is no demon that can pluck you out of God's hand. And my father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So we are in Christ's hand and in God's hand. And then there's another scripture that says that we are engraved in the palm of his hands. There's another scripture that says that our lives are hidden in Christ who is hidden in God. So uh, 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 nothing can take us out of God's hand. All right. But there's one very important point that we have just made here. That if we are saved by faith, our salvation is also maintained and secured by faith. All we need is to believe. The moment we stop believing, the moment we lose faith, then we sin. There is a scripture that says that whatever is done without faith is sin. Whatever you do, if you worship God without faith, you sin. If you hear the word of God and not have faith in it, you sin. If you pray and ask God for something and not believe that you have it, you sin. And that's why most of our prayers are never answered because we pray and then we get doubts that cause us not to believe we have received. All right? It is God's love that... Nothing can separate us from uh, separate us from him and from salvation. I want to read uh, Romans 8, verse 38, verse 38 and 39. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves us with an everlasting love. It doesn't change. It doesn't waver. It doesn't fall. It doesn't falter. It doesn't diminish. It is the same throughout. Whether you are right or you are wrong. Whether you sin or you are in righteousness. And 
there is room that uh, we could fall into sin. That's why there is 1 John chapter 1, verse, uh, na, verse 8, 9, and 10. Uh, it says, if we say we are not sinners, we are liars and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all iniquity. If we say we are not sinners, we make God a liar and the truth is not in us. That is verse 10. Uh, so I want us to look at uh, what then the Bible would say about uh, salvation. Any denial of eternal security is in its essence, it, uh, any denial of eternal security is in its essence a belief that we must maintain our own salvation by our own good works and efforts. This is completely antithetical to salvation by grace. We are saved because of Christ's merits, not our own. Romans 4, 3 and 8. You can read that on, on your own. There are many scriptures there, for I won't read all of them, uh, even though we could because of our time. Uh -huh. To claim that we must obey God's word or live a godly life to maintain our salvation is saying that Jesus' death was not, in, uh, was not sufficient to pay the penalty for our sins and therefore we need to keep on paying by our good works. Jesus' death was absolutely sufficient to pay for all our sins, past, present and future, pre-salvation, post-salvation. Romans 5, 8 says, For God demonstrated his love to us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we can become the righteousness, his righteousness. All right? What I need to say is this. Do we need to continue doing good works? Yes, we do. But we don't do them so that we can better salvation. We don't do them so that we can maintain salvation. We strive for righteousness and the word strive means you struggle you work hard to maintain righteousness meaning that you can fail also but we continue to do good works so that first of all we show our gratitude for what Christ did for us because he paid a debt we could not pay he purchased a salvation we could not uh, uh, work for and he was buried in our place, but God resurrected him. You can also look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. That one I will not look at. But we continue to do good works also to become letters that are read by many. You see, if we get saved and because we are saved by grace, we start behaving the way we want, then we discredit the gospel of Christ. Many people will not be saved. How do non-believers non continue to judge the church? They always say, and they say they are Christians, yet they are doing. So, 
when we do not uh, uh, leave right, when we do not leave uh, uh, as God would expect, as uh, when we don't do good works, then we discredit the gospel of Christ. We cause the name of Christ to be put to shame. We cause many people not to come to Christ, yet the Bible says we are ambassadors of Christ. So if we are ambassadors and then misbehave, are we representing him the way he should be represented? If you want people in your family uh, to be saved, they must see a distinction between you now that you're saved and before. You're not doing all those things so that you can secure your salvation. Your salvation is secured. But don't become a stumbling block for brothers who may want to get saved. But when they look at you, then they, they stop. Do not become a, a, a stumbling block standing by the door like the Pharisees. Jesus told them, you become a stumbling block. You're standing at the door. You're not letting people in or out of this place. What did he mean by that? Is that they were not behaving in a way that was worthy to be emulated, to be desired, to be wanted by others. And therefore we must work hard to make sure when people look at us, they may want our Christ because of what they see in our lives, the changes they see. And that's why we used to sing a song when we were a bit younger, when I was in primary school, I went to a Salvation Army school. And so we did a lot of these songs. Uh, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Hallelujah. And I want God to give me strength that I will not do the things I used to do. And I will get better and better as the years continue passing. We, we don't say that you will change in a day. Some people are delivered immediately and uh, they transform immediately and they get off addiction immediately. But others walk the journey through reading of the word and being guided and being counseled by other uh, 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 older Christians. And the Bible encourages us to do that. It says, if anyone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual, you go and bring them back with love. You don't go and rebuke them. You don't go and stand there and judge them and become holier than them. You go and return them in love. Uh, 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 and that's one area the church needs to work on because if someone falls, we are too quick to chase them, to throw them out, to abuse them, to, to, to broadcast everywhere. Uh, if a brother came to confess to you, as James says in chapter 5 of uh, uh, the letter of James, that we need to confess one to another, uh, uh, so that we may be healed. Uh, uh, if, uh, if a Christian brother came to confess to you, the next thing is before they even get to their house, the news will be hitting the streets of town because uh, they will be whatsapped, uh, other people will be message, message, message through the, the messenger, uh, SMSs will be flying all over. By the time he reaches some place, people will be looking at him funny. And that's why the church has avoided the area of confessing their sins one to another, yet they are encouraged to do so. Okay, now, what, what does it uh, uh, continue to say? Does this mean that a Christian can live any way he wants to, to and still be saved. This is essentially a hypocritical question. 
are uh, not hypocritical, hypothetical question. Because the Bible makes it clear that a true Christian will not live any way he wants to. A true Christian, if you truly confessed, if you truly received Jesus Christ, definitely there will be a distinction, there will be an impact, there will be a change in your life. You cannot meet Christ and continue the way you were. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. The day she met Jesus, she started following him. She never prostituted again. She became a supporter of his ministry up to the day he was buried after he was killed. The first woman to get to the grave was Mary Magdalene. We are never told of her ever living a sinful life again. Zacchaeus saw Jesus and Jesus said he will come to his house. After Jesus went, Zacchaeus' heart that was greedy and corrupt uh, concerning taxes and money uh, was totally transformed uh, that he returned four times what he had stolen from people. That tells you that you cannot meet the Lord and continue living the way you want. Christians are new creations. That is what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says. If a man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation or creature. The, the old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Christians demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23. And I want to read that one. It's, it's, it's very important. Uh, uh, chapter 5 and verse... 22 and 23. So when you get salvation that is secured, the Bible says this, these are the things that will be seen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Alright? So when you're truly saved, those acts begin to be seen in your life. That fruit starts growing in you. You start transforming. You change. If you are not meek, you are, you are haughty, you are proud, then you become humble uh, and people wonder what happened. Uh, if you are not uh, patient, you, be, you become patient. If you do not have uh, uh, temperance is, uh, uh, is, uh, is what we call what? Uh, characteristics, yeah? Characteristics. Uh, your character changes. Uh, that is what the Bible says. Uh, not that the acts of the flesh, which are registered in Galatians 5 verse 19 uh, and 20, up to 21, and I'm going to read what, what those, char uh, those uh, characters of uh, uh, flesh are. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. And there is uh, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envies, murder, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. Of which I tell you before. I tell you before, King James says, I tell you, it's supposed to be, I told you before. As I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Of course, we must also add the scripture that says that you shall know them by their fruit. If someone is truly saved, then you will see their fruit. If the fruit is the acts of the flesh, then there is something that is not right. All right? There is a scripture in 1 John 3, in verse 6 to 9, clearly states that a true Christian will not live in, in continual sin. In response to the accusation that grace promotes sin, the Apostle Paul declares, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Romans 6 verse 1 and 2. Romans 6 verse 1 and 2. So if you are truly saved, definitely your actions will reflect salvation. Eternal security is not a license to sin. Rather, it is the security of knowing that God's love is guaranteed for those who trust in Christ. Knowing and understanding God's tremendous gift of salvation accomplishes the opposite of giving a license to sin. How could anyone, knowing the price Jesus Christ paid for us, go on living a life of sin? Once you know that the ultimate price was paid, that God who hates human sacrifice allowed his very son to die. You know, God has never demanded human sacrifice. And when he asked uh, uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son, he did not allow him to. Because when Abraham was about to, then God stopped him. All right? So that tells us that when we know the price that was paid for our salvation, then we will not abuse that salvation by going on to live a life of sin. Romans 6, 15 to 23, that I will allow you to read is a long read, uh, even though um, I'm at that uh, book and chapter, I will allow you to read for yourselves. Romans 6, 15 to 23. How could anyone who understands God's unconditional and guaranteed love for those who believe, take that love and throw it back in God's face? It's like I buy you a very good gift. And when I give it to you, you throw it at my face. You despise it. You spit on it. You, 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 you just... Can you imagine someone buying you a house in one of the affluent uh, green leafy areas in Nairobi, Runda, Karen, uh, uh, um, uh, Lovington, Riverside Drive, uh, Kileleshua, uh, Nyari, or... Uh, 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 I forget that other place next to Nyari, uh, or Mombasa in Nyali and other places like that. And then you're given a house worth 40 million upwards to 200 million. And then you enter the house and you start punching the windows. And you will not even allow your children to heat anything or pour any water so that the tiles that are very expensive do not peel off because you want to take care of that priced possession or gift you've been given. So how can you then trample on the salvation that God has given you at the cost of his very son? That would be so, so, so pathetic if we did that. 
such a person is demonstrating that eternal security has given him a license to sin, but rather that he or she, uh, it, he, that person is demonst demonstrating not that eternal security has given him a license to sin, but rather that he or she has not truly experienced salvation through Jesus Christ. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or know him. First John chapter 3 and verse 6. Someone who lives this way just demonstrates that he doesn't know Christ, has never met him, does not know him, does not know what salvation is, has not received salvation. Let me tell you something. We who witness to people need to be careful how we present the gospel. We need to ask for permission to share the gospel. We need to not spend the whole day explaining salvation until we tire people, then they accept to be saved, not because they have understood, not because they have accepted, but because they want you to leave them. I remember one time, my elder brother, one time, <laughs> prayed the prayer of sinners when we were younger. But it is because there were these people from a certain church that I'm not going to mention, came to our house and they camped there preaching and pushing and reading more scriptures. And from morning until evening, they were going on. And my brother realized that these people will not let me be until I say the prayer and accept. So he said the prayer. And when they left, he said, by the way, I did not get saved. I just realized one thing. If I just pray this prayer, these people will go home rejoicing that I have received. But I have not received. So let's not do that and then count the numbers of people that say that prayer and then we can go on to tell people 300 people got saved when we know for sure maybe three are the only people who had the gospel, were convicted by the Holy Spirit and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior with their total understanding and their total believing. We need to share the gospel but apart from sharing the gospel our actions our lives our behavior need to share the gospel so that people begin to wonder what the difference is hallelujah we must live out our salvation not just speak you see the mouth can speak many things but it is in the living that we can see the truth about what christ has done for us May God bless you. May God increase you. May God uh, uh, continue to sustain you. All of you who have received Jesus Christ by faith and have accepted salvation by faith and it has become part of theirs. I want to say a prayer very quickly then we end our, our broadcast. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, we honor you, we glorify you because... If we truly understand the gift of salvation, then we will live a life worth of that salvation. We will live a life worth of the sacrifice you made for us to be saved. We will live a life worth of Christ Jesus and his death on the cross, the pain he felt, the shame he underwent, my, uh, my, my God, that they spat on him, they mocked him, they beat him, they, 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 they played games, they blindfolded him and slapped him and said, can you tell us who did this? He was mocked even by a robber who was dying next to him. 
and he was buried. Uh, the son of God who should not have died was buried and for three days he was in the grave uh, and on the third day by the power of the Holy Ghost he was resurrected powerfully and now he's standing in heaven offering this gift of eternal life. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the grace. We thank you that you gave us what we did not deserve. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm going to read the last scripture again. It's a scripture we have read today, but I want to read it again. Jude, verse 24. It says, Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his, of his glory with exceeding joy. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord watch over you. May the Lord uh, uh, fight for you to survive. This is not an easy thing, but the Lord is giving us strength in Jesus' mighty name. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless your home. May the Lord fill your basket wherever you need him. Whatever your desire is, whatever prayers you've been making, May the Lord answer your prayers this evening for the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' mighty name. I want to thank Pastor Tim Kwabi, who was uh, with us this evening. Today I seem to have had uh, a power delegation. Reverend Zainab Hussein, who joined this evening and Esther uh, Agatza or something like that I'm not very sure uh, thank you for joining me this evening God bless you God increase you God uh, multiply your ministries uh, servants of God God show you his goodness in Jesus mighty name Amen and Amen <laughs>